welcome to the Good With Money, Smug Money podcast, a podcast that teaches you how to be good with your cash and where we speak to investment managers who tell us how they're being good with your cash as well. Now, as ever, just before we dive in, please do bear in mind that the information given isn't advice and that all investing carries a risk. I'm your host, Jen Gale, and today I'm chatting to Mike Appleby, the investment manager on the Lion Trust Sustainable Investment Team, about the rise in interest in sustainable investing and whether that's here to stay. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jen. Thank you very much for getting me, uh, including me in it. Thank you. Lovely to have you here. Can you um, kick us off by introducing yourself, telling us who you are and what you do? Yes, my name is Mike Appleby, uh, and I'm part of the investment team that run the Lion Trust Sustainable Future Funds, which are sustainable investment funds. Brilliant. And so who are Lion Trust, if people haven't heard of them? Lion Trust uh, are an asset manager uh, that uh, they're listed. They're a public uh, listed company, uh, and uh, we have a number of um, investment teams who do stuff that basically clients need, specific specialist stuff. And one of those things is uh, our team, the sustainable investment team. Okay, brilliant. So as a member of the public, could I come specifically to you and ask you to invest my money sustainably? Or is that something that would be done through a financial advisor? How would that work? Uh, Well, uh, no. So people should talk to their independent financial advisor Mm -hmm. uh, who should ask them what their preferences are, uh, including... um, what their risk tolerance is, but also mm. their view on to what extent they would like these sustainable aspects included in their uh, investment process. And then the independent financial advisor will have done due diligence uh, on funds and they'll have a certain number of, of on their buy list, if you like. Uh, and so don't come directly to us okay. uh, to invest, but go to your through your independent financial advisor. That's the the, the way to do it. Brilliant. And on that note, how I presume I don't I don't, I don't know, um, but I presume it's kind of law that a financial advisor asks you about your risk um, profile and all that sort of thing. It's not a requirement at the moment that they ask you about your preferences around sustainability and um, ethicalness or otherwise of funds. Is that right? Well, um, it's it's moving quite quickly. So uh, as part of knowing your client, they need to get to know you. Um, they should be asking investors what their views are on certain controversial industries mm. and uh, uh, whether they do or not. Um, it, it's not uh, entirely consistent uh, across the industry. But I think we have moved a long way uh, in the last 20 years or so where I think a lot of uh, independent financial advisors weren't aware uh, or up to speed on this. And mm. it was often couched as you're not into uh, ethical investment, are you? <laughs> uh, and I think that's that's moved away. If you are talking to an in, uh, independent uh, financial uh, advisor who does pose that question uh, in that manner, uh, and it is of interest to you, I would strongly recommend that you talk to someone else. <laughs> yeah. And as you say, it does feel like it's moving really quickly because um, we had some money to invest a couple of years ago and we spoke to our financial advisor and he was quite surprised by us asking if we could, um, you know, make sure or, or look for 
sustainable investment opportunities. And um, and this was only a couple of years ago, but it feels like the conversation has moved on a lot since then. And it feels like it's a question that more and more of us are asking of financial advisors. And hopefully that means that they're almost being sort of forced to get up to speed with it all. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's a whole range of, of approaches with from financial independent financial advisors about this. And um, some of them are very, very good at this and are specialised in this and really, really get it. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, there are some that are quite uh, uh, reactionary, um, less and less so. But yeah. um, I, think, I think that you uh, can have a conversation with your independent financial advisor. And if it doesn't sound like their values are similar to mm. yours, you know, there are lots out there. Um, that uh, that do know about this. Um, yeah, so, yeah, know, and I think don't, the don't be put with, off. The Good with Money site has a list, actually. I think of independent financial advisors who specifically um, sort of have interest in this area. So, what does sustainable investing mean to you guys at Lion Trust? Well, I think um, the way to think about it is there are three tools in the box that um, sustainable funds. Uh, can use that aren't being used in conventional mainstream funds. And one of them is that they will avoid certain controversial industries mm -hmm. um, like uh, tobacco, arms manufacturing, etc. The second approach uh, is that um, you can look for companies that are exposed to positive sustainability trends um, and try and invest in those companies uh, that are delivering things that we need in society, things like cleaner water, more efficient ways of using resources, mm -hmm. better healthcare, uh, and even improving how uh, the systems we rely on, how resilient they are. So things mm -hmm. like cybersecurity and stuff like that. And then the final bit is what the investment manager is saying to the companies they're invested in. This is often called engagement, but a good sustainable investment team will have um, a very clear set of objectives that they're trying to achieve mm -hmm. to get companies to manage their business better. Mm -hmm. um, and that means looking at the relevant environmental and social aspects in their industry and making sure that they're well managed. So, I quite like that because it's, it's – you know, a bit of pressure coming from elsewhere as well, isn't it? That that you have your, um, you can sort of leverage your position or your power in terms of look, this is the money we've got to invest and we'd like to invest it in you, but actually we'd really like to see you doing X, Y, and Z. So it's quite a, um, That's, it sounds a bit manipulative, but do you know what I mean? Like in, in a good way. <laughs> well, no, because what, what happens is with, within any company, uh, there is a battle going on where there are people that want the business to be much more sustainable mm. and there are those that aren't that fussed. And by engaging with the board, uh, they hear from shareholders that this is important. Mm. Um, and uh, I think I think it is powerful. Um, and to go back to those three sort of tools in the box, avoiding controversial industries, trying to gain exposure to positive trends, companies that are improving our collective economy and that the quality of that engagement you can see how that's dialed up and how transparent that is mm. um there are some uh, sustainable uh, investment funds uh, the good ones will be very clear about exactly what industries they're not invested in mm. how they measure involvement um they will be very clear about 
what proportion of their portfolio is exposed to different positive themes. And they'll be very transparent about the conversations they're having and their priorities and how they vote. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really good way of, of finding out. And finally, I think the, the acid test is you should be able to look at a list of all the companies that that fund is invested in, mm-hmm. not just the top 10, which is often a sort of industry standard, so that you can see exactly where your money is invested. Um, it is your money after all. And um, if there are any companies in there that you don't quite understand why it's in there or, or what they do, you should be able to get a very good, clear response um, from the investment team that say, this is why we like the company. This yeah. is what it does. And, and that's what, this is why it's in the fund. So I think yeah. that's, that's important. Yeah. And important, I guess, that, that we know we've got that, um, that right almost to ask questions, you know, that, that we, and that, and to expect a level of transparency and all that kind of thing. Cause I think ultimately that's, that really helps to build trust, doesn't it? If there's this transparency and we're not feeling like we're being sort of hoodwinked or anything's being hidden under the carpet anywhere. That's absolutely right. It's it's your money and you should know where it's invested. Mm, and, definitely. Uh, yeah. So do you think, it sounds like you guys have several sort of arms and you've got your sustainable investing arm. Have you seen a, um, a move towards sustainable investing? Have you seen that as a growth area for you guys? Yes, definitely. So um, the uh, there's been huge interest and huge uh, amounts of money going into these sustainable future funds. Um, we've been running them for a long time. They started in 2001. Oh, wow. Um, but now we've got up to somewhere uh, over uh, about £7 billion uh, worth of money invested in, in this strategy. And uh, I think it's fair to say that it's... Um, the fastest growing area in the industry. Uh, and it's also the fastest growing area in Lion Trust as well. And why do you think that is? I think it's a combination of people being more aware of the impacts we're having on mm. our environment. I think one of the zeitgeists was Blue Planet mm, yeah. uh, and to David Attenborough and, and just people realising how much plastic and rubbish was mm. was being discarded uh, in the way we do things now. I think climate activists have, have really brought this to the fore, you know, Greta Thunberg um, uh, and uh, climate emergency. And, you know, it, mm. So I think a lot more people are aware. From what I've seen in, in various polls, consistently I'm seeing about, th- about between two-thirds and three-quarters, about 70% of people do want to know more about sustainable investing. So that's the majority of people. And I think for a long time, this was viewed as um, a niche area that only maybe maybe loopy professors and nurses and teenagers were interested in. Um, But that's not the case. It's something that um, I think awareness has has risen hugely. And And the other thing is, I think that the independent financial advisors have become a lot more comfortable with this Mm. Uh, and understand it a lot better than they have done uh, in the past. So those two things together have meant that um, there's been, you know, huge growth yeah. in in this area. And I think that that is something that will continue over the decades to come. Yeah. Um, and so that seventy percent figure you said seventy percent of people wanting to find out more about how to invest sustainably. How 
well or otherwise is that reflected in the numbers of people who who are able to or who end up investing sustainably like is it 50 50 at the moment like what do you have any figures about what well, proportion it's, it's, of the total investments are sustainable uh surprisingly small so yeah. uh if you look at um the investment association who are the sort of uk people that look at these things of, of how much is going into different areas uh, or different investment styles. Um, it's despite the huge increase in the sustainable uh, investment s- styles, uh, they still represent, you know, significantly less than 5% wow. of the market. So there's a big mismatch uh, between 70% of people being yeah. interested uh, and 5%. And it might be that some of those people are interested in the idea, but yeah. decide that they don't want to go for it. But I think the point is that people want to know about it and be informed so that they can decide whether it's something that they do. So it's certainly not the case that, um, well, there's this huge amount of room to grow for sustainable investment. It's still definitely a small but fast-growing uh, part of the market. Mm, so what else is contributing to that mismatch then? Because that's huge isn't it and and is it purely inertia is it people going oh yeah I kind of I, I ought to look into that and then putting it in the too hard box or what do you think is is driving that mismatch I, I think a lot of it is um, is related to the ability for independent financial advisors to have done the work and realize that have got a solution for someone that, that wants right. this I, I um, and uh, so yeah, there's um, there's lots of room uh, to grow. So it, it almost feels like that we've done quite well on the education piece for the general public, and the, but there's a, an education piece that needs to be done for independent financial advisors in terms of these are the options, these are what you could be offering people, these are the benefits, there's no financial penalty anymore, all those kinds of things. Is that fair to say? Well, well, there's a whole range of, I, I don't want to say that all financial advisors, because yeah, uh, <laughs> that's blatantly not true, but um, it's been very encouraging to see a huge amount of interest coming from uh, independent financial advisors Mm. who realise that their clients are interested in this and they need to have uh, something uh, to offer them uh, in this area. And and we've seen that reflected in a a huge amount of interest uh, and a huge amount of money being allocated into these kinds of investments. So it's it's as with a lot of things, it, it takes a long time to build. Mm-hmm. But once you get to a threshold, it suddenly shifts um, yeah. quickly. And we're, we, we're seeing that right now over the last couple of years, definitely. And I'm just trying to get my head around this a bit. So I'm kind of thinking out loud. But I guess one possibility is that, um, you know, the pension pot is huge, isn't it? And people with the biggest amounts of pensions would be the older people who are approaching retirement or have just retired and will have the most amount of money in there. And and this kind of wasn't really a thing when they were investing. So maybe the people that are looking into starting pensions now are looking into sustainable ones. And these sort of vast amounts of money in um, are, are still in very traditional holdings. Do you think that would go part way to explain it? Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. That It definitely uh, feels like the uh, younger generation are more switched on to this mm. uh, uh, and more more aware of it. I also think that a lot of people's money is tied up in company pensions, yeah, and those pensions don't always have a sustainable option. Mm-hmm. Or if they do have one, you need to opt into yes. that 
Um, otherwise, you go into a mainstream default thing. And I think, unfortunately, that, um, you know, pensions does fall for many people into the boring life admin bucket. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's another password that you've got to remember. <laughs> um, and I, I just think people aren't aware that their money, A, is invested in companies. Yeah. Uh, and B, that they should have a choice uh, as to where where that's invested. Um, yeah, that's really important, I think. So um, as part of that, I guess, how how do we make a decision? We touched on this a bit earlier. I said, you know, how would we um, take out a sort of lion trust portfolio? But how, you know, the ordinary man and woman on the street, how do we get involved in sustainable investing? How do we make sure that our... Um, any savings or pensions that we've got are in are investing in companies that we would want to support rather than industries that we would sort of run a mile from. Well, it's all it all goes back to your independent financial advisor who who will either be advising you on on your personal investments mm-hmm. or who is invi- advising the sort of company pension. Yeah. So I guess a place to start if if you are in a company with a pension and working is to write to HR and ask about yeah. um, about about that, um, uh, whether that's an option. Um, and uh, then also when you meet with your independent financial advisor, um, you know, you bring it up and say, I'm interested in learning more about sustainable investment Yeah. Um, and uh, challenge them. But as, as I said, you know, you, we, it is financial services, this business. And, and if, if you're talking to someone who isn't um, providing you with what you want, mm. uh, there are advisors who see this as um, a competitive advantage to know about this yeah, stuff. Um, and so go and, go and talk to someone that's aligned with you. And uh, there are lots of options out there. And yeah. uh, it's, it's very, very easy and very doable to, to get involved in this. Yep. And traditionally, there's been this um, story or this narrative that um, if you, you know, yes, you can invest sustainably and, you know, pat you on the head for wanting to do the right thing, but just know that you're you're not going to get the same returns as you would um, investing in sort of traditional things. Is that still the case or um, has that changed? Well, I think that's changed. I think we, we also need to be careful. I'm not saying that every fund that's got anything like ESG associated with it will outperform. Um, but what I am saying is that there are a number of very good sustainable investment funds that have been going for a long time um, that have very well-established and experienced teams mm-hmm. who have demonstrated that they can generate very good, very competitive investment returns. Yeah. And this idea that you're necessarily going to give up investment returns by investing sustainably um, is, is not borne up uh, by the, the empirical evidence out there. Um, but as with any investment, <laughs> your financial advisor should do some due diligence mm. and do the usual stuff they would do for any fund to make sure that it's got a decent investment process, yeah. uh, that it's well-managed and that the people doing it you know, have experience and know what they're doing. So- I think that has been, um, it's less of an issue. I think maybe 20 years ago, people yeah, were yeah, concerned. Yeah. The idea was how can you possibly make the same amount of money if you can't invest in that quarter or third of the market? Uh, and, 
you know, I think we've seen that you don't need to own a tobacco company to outperform the market. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you don't need to own big oil companies to outperform the market. You can uh, find funds that are uh, sustainable that I've done really, really well. Um, so that you don't have to give up uh, investment returns necessarily for, for adopting this investment style. That's good news. And, and I think the main reason for that is that these things are material. Uh, you know, it does make a difference to how much a company is worth. Mm. depending on how well it's managed um, and how it's set up for the inevitable sustainability trends that we're going to see over the next decade, two decades, three decades to come. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's not just a nice to have, um, you know, there are companies that are going to win as a result, for example, of the transition away from a carbon intensive world to an ultra low carbon world. And there are other companies that are on totally the wrong side of that trend. And they are going to really struggle to survive without reinventing themselves. So it's um, these sustainability stories do uh, actually uh, help us find better managed companies uh, that are experiencing growth in demand for their products and services because they're essentially things that we need. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, so it's common sense, I think, is um, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Yes, you know, it's, definitely. It all sort of links together. And you mentioned ESG there, and I have a complete mental block on ESG because I've had it, people have told me about 18 times what it stands for, and I can never, ever remember. Can you tell us, please? <laughs> Environmental, social and governance. Right. And uh, it gets used in different ways uh i think the most common way it gets used is to refer to the how well a business manages those environmental and social aspects of the business and how well it's governed um so it's less about what the company does and it's more about how well the company does it um so you can get companies that are ranked very highly in terms of ESG but that are essentially pretty unsustainable businesses underneath oh. in terms of, of what they go. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, uh, going back to these naming things, mm. um, I think what's important is, you know, what areas of the market are avoided because they're mm -hmm. controversial? What proportion of the fund is invested in these positive trends, companies that are helping accelerate the shift yeah. towards a more sustainable world and and what type of engagement i mean are they are they really aggressive and asking companies to change meaningfully or do they just sit there and uh, support management the whole time yeah. um, and i think there's a big difference there definitely and i can't remember the exact phrase you just used but it was something like the um inevitable sustainable trends or something but it 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 was it was quite an uplifting phrase it made me feel like um there was just this assumption that things are going to change and change for the better do you feel like that's how it is yeah this is it, it's a strange area because sometimes it's easy to be overfaced by a, a lot of negative data points mm. and a lot of negative news and uh 
you know, make no mistake, we have huge challenges to be able to, which we have to overcome to develop more sustainably. But I think the way we consume news um, means that there are lots of really long-term positive things that have been happening in our economy, but we never read about them. They're not, they're not good. You know, they're not something. So Mm. if you think about things like child mortality um, rates, this is a very sad statistic, children that don't make it to their fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you think over the last, you know, a hundred years or so, this has fallen from a shockingly high number where, one in five, 20% of kids didn't make it to their fifth birthday to now it's a small fraction of a percent. Um, And that is all because of um, improved sanitation, Mm. um, but also due to, um, you know, innovation that's come from um, the healthcare industry and in particular vaccines. Yeah. So, um, and there are, uh, yeah, and we can see with the COVID nineteen thing right now, which is extraordinary. That normally it would take a decade to develop, and we've managed to do that in ten months. And the the cooperation between yes. previously, you know, uh, enemies, if you like, mm, in mm. business um, is extraordinary. But we don't read about these things, and these things are happening. And uh, also, our air quality in the UK um, is. Uh, well, the particulate matter, the really nasty dust that's really insidious and bad for you, you wouldn't believe it, but actually that has reduced by 90% wow. uh, in our cities in the last 30 years. Yeah, It's still too high, but the, there are these positive trends that are, are going on. And a lot of these trends are driven by innovative companies coming up with products and services that we need. Mm. And the whole thesis of what we're doing is let's think about who are the businesses over the next 10, 20, 30 years that are going to be like those ones that have delivered Mm, positive mm. things before, because they're potentially a really interesting place to invest because they are going to experience growth and demand for their products because we need them. Yeah. So how has the pandemic affected uh, sustainable investing or has it? Yeah, I mean, it's affected our whole economy. Yeah. And I think uh, what what's what's interesting, uh, a few observations is that on some of these positive trends that I'm talking about, um, you know, they've been affected different ways. So some have been massively accelerated. So this whole idea of working from home, mm. anything to do with that, you know, software um, that keeps you safe, cybersecurity stuff, um, software that your IT department or, uh, are using to come and fix your computer mm. remotely, etc. All these things, things like um, digital signing of documents through companies yeah. like DocuSign, these things have massively accelerated um, over uh, through the pandemic. Um, there are other things that have kind of kept on rumbling on and had a pretty similar pace. I'd say things like a lot on climate change. It's interesting that in the EU, they've just come out with um, an even more stringent target to reduce um, carbon emissions within Europe. Uh, that happened during the pandemic. Mm. Um, and a lot of renewables have continued to be installed at a similar pace to before. Um, and then there are other things that have been put on pause 
So, for example, public transport. Mm. No one really wants to go on public mm. transport at the moment um, because of those um, the, the the risk of of infection. Other things like low cost gyms. This idea mm. of providing affordable access to you know gyms for people that that can't afford the 150 mm. quid a month or whatever the top end is. The, so some of those themes have have been put on pause. But actually, if you fast forward to 2030 or 2040, we think that these investment themes are still going to be very valid. Mm. We are not going to fix climate change in the next two years. Um, we are not going to solve um, inequality uh, in the next two or three years. We are not uh, going to solve a lot of the healthcare challenges that we've got. So I think that while these themes they don't move in a straight line. Mm -hmm. The direction of travel is still going uh, in the right way. Definitely. And do you think that, that that interest that we've seen, you know, you said over the last 20 years and even over the last couple of years, it, it seems to me as an outsider, it, it really sort of is something that is you know, we, we went from talking about the power of our choice, uh, the power of our money at sort of at the checkout. And now so many more people are aware of the power of their money, you know, in the bank or in the pension or whatever. Um, do you think that interest is just going to carry on over the next year? Or do you think everyone's going to be um, so preoccupied with pandemics and oh, well, hopefully, hopefully things will get more back to normal? Well, we're, we're going to see. But I think I think the pandemic has created a pause for everyone to think and i think a lot of people are thinking that they don't want things to go back to exactly mm. as they were before and that there this is an amazing opportunity to think about the kind of economy we want and implement some positive changes long-term investments uh that um you know improve uh, our economy and is much more um equal Mm. Um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, we, 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 we will see what happens, but I don't think, um, I think the interest in this shift towards a more sustainable world and what people can do about it, I think it's a long-term trend. Uh, I think it's something that, uh, means a lot to a lot of people. Mm. Uh, and I think that, um, it will only accelerate. And the more uh, funds and investors that, um, you know, adopt this, this strategy, the, the better it will be for all of us, ultimately. That sounds like a really nice um, a, a sort of paragraph or um, section to end on. Thank you so much. That, um, that's actually left me feeling really quite positive, <laughs> which is nice for a, a discussion around um, sort of climate change and the climate crisis and things. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Jen. And uh, uh, it's been great talking to you. And, and hopefully uh, that means something to, to some of your, your listeners. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will.